You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where you practice being the chooser in your life again, one day at a time. Thanks for joining me. Hello, hello, my amazing, beautiful listeners. Welcome. How are you? How many of you were able to join me yesterday at the Absence Conference? There was a lot there. It was so fun. Dan Drake and I really enjoyed presenting. I am continuing the conversation on boundaries this month of February because this is the ultimate act of self-love. Going through divorce is hard enough to feel that sense of love for yourself or just feeling loved. And so rather than talking about love in the love month, we're going to talk about boundaries. See how I did that? (laughs) I can't promise I won't mention the word love this month, but it will be around your own cultivating self-love, maybe for the first time. If you did miss the presentation, no worries. I will have the recording up on my YouTube channel very soon, as well as the audio here on the podcast as a bonus episode. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast here on whether it's Spotify or Apple or your YouTube channel, because any of those bonus episodes will pop up for you. And for those who can head over to Apple Podcast and leave a review, please do so. It continues to help with the sharing of this message to those who need it, to those who are finding it. There just isn't enough support or information out there regarding a divorce due to betrayal, trauma, and abuse. There really is a difference, and I am so grateful for those of you who have found this resource beneficial, validating, and supportive. Today, I thought it'd be really helpful to just address some of the basics around boundaries. There's a lot of misconceptions around what they are and what they're not. And when clients go through divorce due to betrayal and abuse, or IPV, we need to be very clear on what they are and what they aren't. We need to also be aware why this is so mother freaking hard because of the control element that is in this as well when you have felt so out of control and when what you have a right to control has been taken away without choice hence the definition of abuse so first let me just validate that i will speak for myself however i do see this show up often over the years with my clients as well to really feel such a deep and often unconscious sense of powerlessness in my marriage and due to the hiding and the lying and manipulation, gaslighting, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know why I felt this, like this like out of control type of feeling. In fact, this is actually really interesting. I realized years ago in therapy that in my first marriage, I was an avid furniture arranger, but I'd rearrange everything rooms, drawers. If it could be moved, I moved it. I did this all on my own. This wasn't like a team effort thing. He'd leave, I'd rearrange. Because I felt more order and control afterwards, it helps to settle this unorder, disorganized internal feeling that I had in an external way. Because again, due to the betrayal violence, I wasn't aware of the reality of what was really happening, but my body was always in this like, disorganized unorder sense. And I would try to solve that by trying to get order in my external environment. So I would rearrange and organize anything I could. And that's why I would do it over and over in this external way, 
because it wasn't sustainable, right? I'd feel this sense of safety in my in my body or in my in my knowing for a moment, maybe a month, maybe a week sometimes. But then there was this out of control feeling again. I would blame it on the kids. Kids are a mess. They leave toys everywhere. She leaves clothes all over the floor. The laundry is never done. Why are there always dishes in the sink? Right? Everything was just a disaster. This wasn't just the typical, gosh, it'd be nice to catch up on household chores. This was an all-out disaster. Like my perspective was this is a disaster in my life because all the things felt out of order. But it wasn't the external out of order I was feeling. It was my internal disorder from living in a false reality, from trying so hard to adapt to myself, my environment in order to bond, attach, and feel a sense of safety when that safety was being manipulated by my partner. Because after I left, I got my own apartment, even with cramming four kids in there, I noticed that I wasn't reorganizing like I used to. I wasn't feeling the same sense of disorder. I had a lot of negative emotions. There was a lot of grieving. There was a lot of other things happening, but because it was more tangible, I could see his behavior now. Like he wasn't hiding it anymore. The abuse wasn't covert anymore. It was absolutely happening right in front of me. So I knew that this was disorder, but I could see it externally. And so it could match the internal. But when I didn't have that, external matching the internal, that is why I needed this sense of, gosh, I need to figure out how to organize my external. And even today, when I clean my house, I'm just cleaning it. There isn't this deep inner sense, this calm dopamine hit that I get afterwards that I used to. And then I would be so upset the moment things got, you know, quote, unorganized again. A kid would take a dish and put it in a sink. And immediately that sense of disorder would come because there's a dish in the sink. For me, again, this is just me. I realized the correlation between that because I don't do that anymore. I'll, yeah, oh, you could put your dish in the sink. There, there isn't this overwhelming sense of disorder in my entire life because there's a dish in the sink. And I thought that was a really interesting correlation and a really big, like, aha for me of just how much my internal system was disorganized. And this is what boundaries do for us. It helps to organize our central nervous system. Because I was living in fight, fight, freeze all the time. My central nervous system was always in panic, was looking so desperately to find that sense of calm and organization. Boundaries are what helps that central nervous system get organized. Boundaries is what protects the safety of your internal parts, of the inside parts, when you cannot control the external environment. Your relational trauma dysregulated your central nervous system, hypervigilance, anxiety, emotional instability, just to name a few, right? So your internal system needs this predictability. It needs emotional regulation, that window of tolerance. It needs a reduction of this overstimulation that is happening. It needs to find a sense of empowerment and control over what you actually have control over. It needs safety and boundaries do that. When you have an external unsafe environment and relationship, 
you're going to try hard to control that as an attempt to gain a sense of safety. Or it might be camouflaged under the, I just care. I just care deeply. Or I can fix. I can help. I can teach. Or I don't want them to feel bad. We do this a lot with our kids. Or I know what's best for you. I've learned the things, so let me just fix you and tell you all the things I've learned. But this still isn't control over what we have control in and agency over. This isn't safety. I once had a religious leader tell me that my boundaries in a relationship were too hard because I called them conditions at the time. I told my spiritual leader what I needed to see in my husband at the time, what I needed to see change, attempted, acknowledged in order for me to feel safe leading back into doing that relational work. And I was told that it was too conditional and that that's not relational. How sometimes I wish I could go back with the me today to that past experience. That's okay. What I now know to better articulate is that in order for me to feel a sense of inner safety, environmental safety, sexual safety, and relational safety, these are the conditions in which we'll foster that. I cannot grow when my roots are in rocks. I was absolutely not demanding or being too conditional to tell my husband under which conditions I grow best and what he can do if he was willing to help create in that relationship a fertile soil that allowed those roots to thrive in the relationship. And if he wouldn't, then I would do it without him, which I ended up doing, right? I was the only one who was responsible for those conditions of which I needed to grow, to thrive, and to produce fruit, right? The fruits of the relationship. It had to start with the condition of the soil that my roots were in. But I was in harm's way. I wasn't being protected. My roots were being dug up. And the last thing I was going to continue doing, which was being suggested to me, was hand him the freaking shovel and tell him nicely that I needed some dirt, not rocks. He was cutting my roots in half with that shovel. Me saying it nicer or buying him the gardening equipment wasn't going to produce the fertile soil. Boundaries are that protective shield that prevents others from taking the shovel and misusing it. I am the one who gets to decide who has that shovel. I am the one who gets to decide who is in my garden. I create the lines in which I get to say, this cannot happen in my garden. When I was like three years old, I remember we lived in a duplex and I have vivid memories of riding my little plastic Hot Wheels around our shared driveway with a neighbor. And one day he had a rope around the perimeter of his lawn. Now, I don't have a memory of this, but I am sure as a three-year-old and knowing what kind of three-year-old it was, that I was probably riding my Hot Wheels across his lawn. Hence why all of a sudden I notice there's a rope around the lawn. Well, one day he comes out while I'm riding my little Hot Wheels around and he crouches down low at my level and he looked at me and he said, if you cross this line, like pointing to the rope, if you cross this line, I'm going to hammer your head into the ground. Now, I am not saying that we go hammer people's heads into the ground. Let me be clear. And 
he made it very, very clear that I was known to cross the boundary and go on to what he had a right to protect, his grass. Boundaries also help us reduce stress and anxiety, which I know everyone says they don't want to have, but then what do we do when it happens? Again, most often, it's the learned relational pattern and giving up that control over what we think we can control feels worse than actually stepping into our empowerment and creating safety for our central nervous system. This is your soil to which your roots are planted. And if someone is taking out that soil, even if it's one teaspoon at a time and replacing it with rocks, it's not safe. It's still not kind. It's not protective. It's not intimate or healthy. And standing there, once you see them with the teaspoon, it's shocking. It's like, wait a second. I thought you were out here weeding and helping protect the roots, but you're actually killing me slowly. Here, have a shovel or take the clippers. Like, no, but that's so often what I see happen when I'm working with clients. They realize that this person is taking out some of that soil and then they justify, rationalize, or minimize. Well, it's just a teaspoon. It's not that bad. And so again, we're handing them the shovel, hoping that they're going to shovel out weeds or they're going to, you know, prune a little bit for the betterment of the growth. No, when you see someone removing fertile soil, removing the healthy from you, I need to get them out of the effing garden. I'm putting up a rope around it now and protecting what I have and then doing what I can to nourish the roots back to health. When you don't have boundaries, you're handing them the shovel. That might look like receiving late night phone calls, text messages that are demeaning and demanding. We hand them the clippers by trying to tell them what they can and can't do over at their house with the kids or or what they can even tell the kids about us, which we know, right? We want to control that. We think it's a boundary to try and tell them what they can and can't say to other people, friends, family, orgy. Really, what we're doing is we're handing them the clippers and keeping them in our garden because still we're not only absorbing the impact of what they're saying, but we believe that we can do something about it. And when you believe that you can do something about something you can't control, now you are impacting the soil of your roots. Now you're taking the clippers as well and hacking away at your worth and your value, your lovability, your enoughness that your brain just offered you up. But Amy, but what about but this? But what if the kids think it's my fault that he's out of the garden? I have a room around it now. But what if they believe him, Amy, when he tells them that he was in there just waiting and trying to protect me? What if he tells them that I said I'd hammer his head into the ground if he crosses the road? Just kidding. That's threatening. Bad joke. But what if the kids choose him over me? Because here in my garden... You don't get to talk or speak to me that way or hit your sister or cuss me out. Or I have rules here in my garden that phones don't go in the bedrooms. I know. But what is? Conflict avoidance also follows the but, right? If I create a boundary and I say this isn't okay in my garden and then there's a conflict, this might lead to you not setting the boundary. 
So then we justify it. If I get trampled on just a little bit, it's okay. It's better than conflict, better than being yelled at or having a bunch of text messages come at me or worse. He tells everyone that I told her he can't trample through my garden. They might think I'm silly or mean for telling him no. So we don't have boundaries to avoid conflict. Another reason we might not set the boundary is because maybe we feel guilty. Guilty that I'm spending time bringing in organic soil to nurture what damage those roots had. And it takes me time away from my kids. Maybe it takes a weekend away. So we feel guilty because I can't prioritize me. I can't nourish the soil that my roots are in. I can't repair the damage that's been done. So I'm going to feel guilty. Therefore, I'm not going to set boundaries. Perhaps you don't believe you deserve organic soil or that you don't deserve to have a fence around your roots to protect them. That it's mean and kind. Everyone should have total access to you. You get a shovel. You get a shovel. You get a shovel. Oh, right. That's the nice Oprah thing to do. Any of those buts resonating? A few years ago, I was working with a client around these post-divorce boundaries, and she was divorced about a year and a half the time that I had started working with her. And her big realization as to why boundaries were hard for her was that if she created the fence around her roots, so to speak, that it meant she had to accept the loss and feel the grief. When she allowed him to poke around a bit in her garden, even if he chipped away at some of those roots or pulled off a leaf or two, it meant that he was still a rat. When she would talk to her friends about how she can't believe he walked right in and yanked off a leaf of her tree, how dare he? She's right. How dare he? And she was allowing it. The anger, the frustration, and how dare he was better. And I'm air quoting then the grief that would come when she says no more and he gets out and he doesn't have access to her anymore to her letting him trample around here and there every once in a while was better than feeling the grief and moving us through and accepting the loss of the relationship it makes so much sense and i totally get it i can relate to this so deeply being aware of how your brain is arguing with you, what are those rationalizations, minimizations, and justifications that keep you from taking your safety of your garden, your roots, your plant? What is keeping you from taking that safety seriously? And with compassion and curiosity, I want to invite you to be aware of all of those buts. What ifs? And maybe I'm Right? Let's just notice what your brain is offering you there. Let's clear up a few of those common misunderstandings about what a boundary really is. First, one thing that I, one question I get a lot is what's the difference between a boundary and an expectation? And what Dan and I talked about in our presentation was how different the boundaries are when you are in a relationship versus outside of a relationship. And really what boundaries are or and are not in different relationships. One of the things that I see keeping my clients stuck the most, and again, totally understandable why this happens, but a really big awareness that I want to point out is that when you are navigating divorce, even if that thing isn't legal, but I've seen this show up, even when the divorce is stamped and legalized, we are still functioning in that relationship as a couple. We still have the same expectations from that person 
as we did in the couple relationship, in the couple bubble. And I'll acknowledge a lot of this is subconscious because many of you are probably going, I want nothing to do with him. There's no way I want to go back. There's no way I want to be in a relationship with him. But there is a lot of subconsciousness to this. And this is why I started off talking about control and paying attention to what we're trying to control that isn't in our control. Because that is actually one of the biggest ways that I see this show up is this expectation that we can somehow still control what they do, think, or feel. So what you can expect from this person is going to dwindle drastically because an expectation is really a belief or an assumption about how this other person should behave in different situations or circumstances and behave in the relationship. So for example, early on in my divorce, I expected that my children's father would have the children's best interest. And as he was dating or getting into relationships, he would be really considerate and careful around their feelings and their triggers and what they're going through as he navigated future relationships. That was an expectation or an assumption about how I believe he should behave in the event of pulling other women into my children's life. That was a very unrealistic expectation, first of all, because of how I knew he was behaving to begin with, but it was also something that I couldn't expect nor could I have a boundary around because what he does or doesn't do with other women isn't my business anymore. And I cannot control what he says or does with those children as their father. A lot of the expectations are really like the legalized basic human right expectations. I expect you to follow the law and the decree of our divorce. And if not, then the law will step in. Whatever the legal system won't support or back me up in, I can't control. And I really want to just, like, I want to push the pause button. And I want to just sit here with you in the grief of that. Because I know so many of you have that fear or so many of you are experiencing. I get it. And it makes sense why your soil is not fertile ground to grow and to thrive when this is really hard to accept, when this feels impossible to accept. Now, remember, accept is not the same as approve. We do not have to approve of their behavior, but we cannot control it. We can do as much as we can. And my gosh, fight as much as you can in a legal system to protect that. This is why lawyers can help, but unfortunately, you cannot control what he does or doesn't do, what your children witness or not witness. It was excruciating to watch my children go through such confusion with his revolving door of women. And for a while, I kept trying to stop that revolving door. I kept trying to stop the revolving door of all of the things that he was telling them. I kept trying to put a stick in there and stop it from spinning or grab the children out of that, yelling at him through the glass, trying to tell him what he can or can't do. All the while, the revolving door just spinning. And there were many times when I even kind of jumped in and was in the spin as well. But that wasn't helping. It was me getting caught up in that revolving door. And now I'm completely out of my garden. Now I'm completely out of myself when I'm in that cycle over and over again, trying to control something that I can't control, trying to change something that 
I don't have the power to change. Trying to protect children from something that I can't protect them. Boundaries through and post-divorce are boundaries with you. Boundaries that you have for yourself. I will not jump in that revolving door. I will not stand here and yell over and over and over the same thing as I watch it continue to be ignored over and over. No boundaries for me is I am going to let go of what I cannot control. And I'm going to put my effort and my strength and my knowing and my talents and my gifts, my agency into my garden, into strengthening my roots, into growing my tree, into producing amazing fruit. And as I invite my children into that space, they will have healthy. They will have thriving. They will have strength. They will have consistency. They will have beautiful soil underneath their feet to ground them when they do step out of that revolving door. But if I'm in that revolving door or I'm standing outside trying to throw stones at it to crash it down, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to go to ground, to know what healthy looks like and what healthy feels like. Boundaries through and post-divorce had very little to do with my ex and had so much to do with me. Boundaries for myself to protect my safety, to protect my central nervous system. So what I often see is instead of boundaries, demands or ultimatums are being issued. Demands are those statements that insist on a particular action or outcome as a way to control the other person or put pressure on the other person. You must do this or else I, you must do this or else. A demand is very forceful. Again, this is seeking control. You will not. You must do. That is not a boundary. Ultimatums come often when they're not like, we haven't really thought through. Those usually come in the heat of the moment. It's, a, it's very much a final statement, drastic turn coming from a fear response. And the interesting thing about the ultimatum is because it's coming from that place of fear and it tends to be a little bit more drastic, the ultimatum that we're putting out there is not really something that we can actually follow through with. Like if you, if you say another word or you text me again, then I am never speaking another word to you ever. Well, that's not, if you're raising children together, that's not an ultimatum that you can follow through with legally. But when you are feeling that sense of fear and threat, ultimatums are usually what gets spouted out. <laughs> and ultimatums and demands are going to get thrown out there when we are boundaryless. So having healthy boundaries are going to protect you from getting to that place of control and fear because you yourself are protecting your soil. You're protecting your roots because your roots aren't seeking information, comfort, validation from this person anymore. You're giving it the safety and the nutrients that it needs. And so it's going to eliminate the need to control or the fear of the unknown. Boundaries are what protect your emotional and psychological well-being. Boundaries are what establish how you will choose to communicate or not communicate with your ex. It ensures that you can remain within your value system around co-parenting or parallel parenting situations. Boundaries are protecting your well-being. They are rebuilding your self-esteem because it reinforces your own sense of worth and value. It helps you to regain control over what you have control over, what you actually have access to with your beautiful agency. 
It's the ultimate act of self-love. This is what I am willing to do and this is what I'm not. This is what I am and not willing to accept in my garden, in my space. This is what helps me thrive. This is what helps me flourish and nourish. A healthy boundary is rooted in self-care and self-love. This is something that we predetermine, that we think out, that we think through when we become aware of what is taking from our nutrients in that soil. When we are aware of what isn't healthy, what we don't want in there. Like, I don't want the weeds, but I want the worm, <laughs> right? <laughs> Worms are kind of gross, but I know that they nurture me. So negative emotions, kind of gross to feel sometimes, but I know that they are important to feel and process. I know that when I do feel them and I validate them, that they actually can strengthen my roots. But I'm going to notice the weeds. I'm going to be aware of what those weeds are, and I'm going to pull those out. And boundaries are what I decide I'm comfortable with in that garden and what I'm not comfortable with. When I get caught up in all of the things that I cannot control that are unfair, like not paying child support, and now I am supporting all four children. I'm putting children through college. I am in their everyday lives, helping them navigate hard, hard things, providing in every which way. It is not fair to them or me that I am the only one showing up healthy and nurturing. But through my own boundaries, I have provided that safe space for my children to get nourished. And now, as most of my children are adults, they now get to choose into my space. And when they're in my space, I want them to be able to take their shoes off and rub their feet in the dirt and feel the strength and the love and the nourishment that I can provide them. If I'm so caught up in the justice seeking, if I'm so caught up in what he is and isn't doing with, with all of these women or what he's telling friends and family members, then my attention is not in my soil. My attention is not in my roots. My attention is not with those who I've invited in to that garden because that's what I can control. And as I have been doing this, practicing this, I have been able to see the fruit of my labor. I know that this is possible. I hope today as I've gone over just the basics of boundaries, why they're so important, what a boundary is and what a boundary isn't. What I want to leave you with the practice this week is to become more aware of your garden. Become aware of what is in there that might be pulling away, that might be not supporting your growth in your root system, what isn't empowering, what is taking away from that nutrient. Write it down. Let's get curious about what that looks like. Notice if we think we're setting boundaries, but really it's an ultimatum or it is a demand. Notice the sense of control or fear that is underneath that because that's not going to feed and nurture your roots long-term. Self-care and self-love will. And that's what's going to produce healthy boundaries. I'm excited to take this topic and really dig in to how this looks a little bit more tangibly to your specific situations and have a whole episode on children and boundaries with children through and post-divorce, head over to the show notes. And in there is a link to a mini workbook that I created for you, my listeners, and those of you who joined me at the AppSets conference. A lot of self-reflecting questions there on how to master boundaries through and post-divorce. So head over to the show notes for that, as well as all the other ways that I can support you through your journey. You are not alone. And I believe 100% that you are the creator of your life. And you can choose to have the experience that you want today because you can. Take care, everybody.
day will be the day.